Tabletop Radio Hour, your podcast for everything tabletop. My name's Zach, and this week I have Mark. Mark, how are you doing today? I am doing all right. How about you? Doing very well, thank you. Uh, Steve keeps keeps on uh, getting in that spaceship and going to going to his home planet to fight the war. But uh, someone's got to do it. Someone's got to do it. This week we've got uh, somewhat of a strange episode. <laughs> we're going to be talking. We're going to be talking a lot about Steam Spy. Because we're going to be playing that on our next installment of our actual play. But first, like always, we will be getting into our segment, Wish of the Week. In Wish of the Week, we talk about anything we're excited for, from board games to video games to RPGs. I think I'll start this week out. I recently picked up a copy of the Polaris uh, RPG core books. Now, it is a Paizo game, I believe, if I'm not mistaken. And it is, uh, maybe a year ago, it it uh, was backed on Kickstarter, I think. Um, not by me. It wasn't backed by me. It was funded <laughs> on Kickstarter. I'll, I'll uh, say that. But yeah, it's it's kind of a post-apocalyptic world that uh, most of the the life above ground is uninhabitable. And so civilization has had to go beneath the sea. You know, they had to go underwater and live life there. There's There's a whole lot of story and a whole lot of lore back behind this concept for this game. And it's, it is beautiful. It is absolutely wonderful. It's, it's supposed to be set in the, the far future from, you know, from us now. But I mean, like always, it's, it's probably like an alternate universe. It's not, it's not meant to, you know, extend on the life we're living now, you know, on, on what's happened already. And I think it's, uh, it starts from, you know, their inception and uh, and goes through uh, present day, which is which is a lot of information when you when you open up the books and uh, and really get into it. But I'm really enjoying it so far, Mark. I think I sent you all uh, the quick start guide. I may yeah. have, I may not yes. have. But um, but have you have you given that a look over? I've skimmed it. That is about as far as I've gotten so far. But uh, yeah, it looks looks pretty solid. Yeah, I re- I really think it looks uh, it looks promising just because the amount of effort put into the, the backstory and then the character classes and races and because it, it can go you know as simple as humans getting in exosuits and uh, you know going into the depths of the ocean or you can be a hybrid fish human person. It's it's really interesting concept. It really is, and and it sounds like you know you can do anything you know as far as classes go which is really exciting that's nice because in in the second book it gives 
uh, actually it might be in the first book, but it gives um, specific character examples. And, mm. and there are, there are maybe what, 15 pages of, of characters. It's anything from, uh, there's a, a hybrid. There is uh, a thief, a uh, detective, um, engineers, tinkerer. I mean, it goes, it goes as specific as you want it to, which is really interesting. And it can make, it can make a really interesting party. You know, if you've got a couple people or, or more than a couple people, you know, it could, it could just make a lot of diversity. And, uh, and I, I like that in a good game. Excellent. But, uh, but yeah, I'm definitely looking forward to, uh, to completing reading that and, uh, and getting into everything. Uh, but what about you, Mark? I, I know uh, we are we are getting into the heat of Steam Spy now. Actually, I, I just thought of there was I have two of them. Uh, I just remembered another one that I was going to uh, talk about that still in my mind till now. But I found a new podcast. Not to hype the competition, but uh, I found one called uh, Save for Half, which is. A lot of fun because they specifically focus on old school games. Um, okay. They've talked about things like uh, Gamma World. They've talked about the Fossa version of Doctor Who. They talked about the original Top Secret. Um, but it's it's always that uh, that view from the viewpoint of the old school stuff, which I've really been enjoying. Uh, and there's only like five or six episodes, so it's really easy to, to catch up on. And uh, but I've been enjoying that quite a bit. You heard it here first. Mark's leaving us for another podcast. <laughs> no, 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 I get. No. I get. Uh, um, <laughs> now I'll just be the old curmudgeon on this show. So there's that. <laughs> no other show gets old grumpy Mark. <laughs> <laughs> That's right. <laughs> But yeah, it, it sounds interesting. It really does. Do they have an actual play or is it just a discussion topic? No, just discussion. And they just, it, it's a real nice format because they, they pretty much go in and review uh, the games. Um, and, you know, usually it's a lot of times it's stuff that they haven't looked at in a long time and they've kind of pulled off their <laughs> their shelves and brush the dust off and to look at yeah. again. And, you know, they kind of go through and everybody has makes a number of points about it, but uh, it's, it's really kind of fun. And, you know, I, I listened to the, the Fossa Doctor Who episode and I've never played the Fossa Doctor Who, but uh, I have played the Fossa Star Trek and what they were describing really fell a lot into uh, my experiences with, with Star Trek and even some of the other games that they haven't played, just listening to to them describe where where games came from and where some of the concepts that that used to be there, and you know, see how they've evolved into the stuff we have today is is really kind of fascinating. Yeah, it really is. Um, Brendan Carrion from Full Metal RPG, he always talked about the Grodnar Files, the podcast. Oh, okay. It sounds sounds pretty similar. You know, nice. It's, it's a bunch of guys talking about older style games, older school games. So yeah, um, yeah, it, it definitely seems interesting. I'll have to I'll have to give it a listen. Yeah, give it a shot. But, uh, but of yeah, course, go. of course, the big thing that I'm really excited about is the fact that we're going to uh, be diving into Steam Spy. Yes. Uh, here, that's. That's exciting to hear and exciting to uh, <laughs> see how that goes. Yeah, it definitely is. And I'm excited to play 
because I've I picked it up a long while ago, you know, close to when we started. You know, mm-hmm. we're yeah, closer to when we started the podcast, right? And I, I still haven't gotten a chance to play. <laughs> well, I and, still haven't. And for those of you that don't know, Steam Spy is the game that I've written and developed and uh, put together. Uh, it was originally designed for two players. It was it was designed to be a role playing game for when you couldn't get a group of people together. You mm-hmm. could sit down, play one on one, face to face, and do that. What we're going to do is we're going to try to expand on the the basic premise and t- turn it into a little bit more of a, uh, a traditional role playing experience. Um, now. Yeah. When you talk about traditional role-playing experience, do you mean a GM and players? We are going to try it with no GM. Um, There are some rules in there for if you do want to do the GM thing, but uh, I think it works really well. Because it was designed for no GM, I think it uh, can can adapt to uh, more of a... uh, Even though it's cooperative, I think we can still work without a GM. Yeah, and I think I think we'll find our bumpy road, you know, along the way. But but that's kind of part of play testing. That's, you know, that's exactly essentially, that's yeah. essentially what we're doing. Even though you know the the core, the soul of of Steam Spy has already been you know play tested and developed and produced. It's it yeah, adding another player is gonna throw a monkey wrench into, <laughs> into the the spokes of your, it your is, tires. Yeah, and that's part of the goal is like you say, play testing, which means we may very well find some problems. We may find the whole thing doesn't work and falls on its <laughs> face. So uh, you know, any, anything's possible. So uh, stay tuned and listen for that because I think uh, it could be interesting. Yeah, it it really definitely is going to be interesting. You know whether. You know whether we try to or not, it's going to be interesting. Yeah, and it's a, a great op- opportunity for the listeners to kind of see, uh, you know, full disclosure how this kind of stuff progresses and develops, and you know, mm-hmm. sees the kinks being worked out of uh, <laughs> a game as it's being developed. Yeah, definitely, definitely, and uh, and I am glad you are including me and Steve in this uh, this adventure that <laughs> steam spy is going on well sure wouldn't do it without you i appreciate that <laughs> um but just for the fans out there for everybody um go ahead and just give a basic you know what what's the premise of steam spy what is uh you know what's the overall feeling behind it as you can probably tell from the title it's it's steampunk espionage it's kind of bringing um uh, corporate espionage into the uh, industrial age. There are a series of companies that have kind of taken over. It's, it's kind of set in, in our world, but kind of generalized. And there are six major corporations scattered around the world. In Western England, uh, Western Europe is the Encyclopedia Englandia, which was organized to basically collect knowledge. And they're they're responsible for uh, amassing knowledge for knowledge's sake. Conversely, there is uh, <laughs> Das Wort, who were been kind of driven out of England or out, out of uh, Europe and kind of South America, scattered around the the world. 
but mm-hmm. they are more concerned with uh, disem- controlling the world through distribution of information. They're basically a news organization that sometimes will influence current events to create news. They're responsible for basically giving out information. A lot of times the, there are some questions about their motives could be considered bad guys, but on the other hand, they might be using their powers for good. You, it's hard to tell. It seems manipulative, but they could be manipulating in good ways. You never know. Next, there is uh, Renningson and Sons. This is the North American uh, corporation that specializes in uh, the production of, of weapons. They uh, supply all kinds of weapons, especially firearms, to everyone around the world. Next is the uh, Navidad Pharmaceuticals. These are uh, they're they're located in Africa. They deal with a lot of uh, humanitarian aid, obviously medical aid, medical uh, uh, experiments, and uh, they they provide that type of uh, assistance wherever they go. Next is the Transylvanian Transportation Company. This is more Eastern Europe, and they obviously deal with transportation, uh, trains, boats, zeppelins, all that kind of uh, steampunky Victorian uh, travel type stuff they they have their hands in. And then uh, in the Far East, you have Orosaku Artificials. They are a uh, robotics and uh, um, bionics company where they deal with a lot of that sort of stuff. So you have these six corporations that have, you know, their their specific kind of realms as well as uh, products, and each uh, corporation has its own spy agency, basically. So the spy agencies that players are working for are corporate driven or corporate sponsored. So uh, first of all, Encyclopedia Englandia has a group called M5. And M5, of course, is are the ones with their boots on the ground going out and collecting the information, protecting the information that is uh, being ta- taken back to in Encyclopedia Englandia. Um, das Vort has a group called the Diamond Club. The Diamond Club are the reporters and... Um, some of those agents that are out making the news or reporting the news to bring back to be uh, printed and disseminated. Next was Transylvania. No, next was actually Renningson and Sons, I believe. Renningson and Sons. Uh, yeah, that was the next one. They are the federal agency, Feds. The Feds. Um, they are, you know, <clears throat> basically your kind of gung gung ho, uh, uh, shoot 'em up kind of. Uh, <laughs> Guys who go out and try to police the world. They're the ones. They're, they're the FBI agents, essentially. Kind of, yeah. Yeah. Kind of like that. Definitely. Yeah. Uh, so they have that kind of gusto and that kind of uh, motivation. The mm. Navidad Pharmaceuticals has the Unified Alliance, which, again, these are the agents who are going out trying to provide aid, support, you know, trying to find new ways to uh, help and support the world. Then uh, the Trans- Transylvanian Transportation Company has a group called the Shadow Bureau. 
of course, they help protect transportation, but they also start uh, delving into uh, some of the darker things, the things that go bump in the night, um, <laughs> a little bit of the paranormal. Uh, you might see them dealing with that sort of stuff. And then the Orosaku Artificials has the company has their agency, which is the Dragon Sect. The Dragon Sect are uh, very protective of the the technology and and stuff for the uh, for the uh, artificials in industry. And basically, they're the ninjas <laughs> of the world. Yeah. So definitely. those are the the basic factions that are involved in the traditional game. Your agents from two different uh, companies, and you just kind of go head to head. One person is the uh, antagonist who's trying to do something. He has some sort of mission that he's trying to accomplish. The other is the protagonist who's trying to stop him. So, uh, you know, that's the traditional game. In the cooperative game that we're trying, we're going to do. We're going to belong to different agencies, but we're going to kind of come together to try and to accomplish something. Yeah, definitely. So getting into a little bit more mechanics mm-hmm. wise. Yes. You know, the the main game has those story encounters. Yes. Yes. Um will this cooperative game include those or will it be kind of more open ended like like a role playing game usually is? A little bit of both, actually. Okay. What uh in the it, well, in both games, what you have is the scene you're in is kind of de- uh, described by um, there's there's six different types of scenes that you're going to be participating in, uh, either uh, interaction, infiltration, stealing, sabotage, chase, or fighting. Mm-hmm. So, in in a traditional game, you have kind of a flow chart that you have to uh, kind of go through. If you're the antagonist, you have a certain series of these types of encounters that you need to try to uh, accomplish to succeed at your mission. In the cooperative game, it's a little bit more freeform in that you get to choose not only which one you go to next, but how many of them you do. Um, And the the trick is, you can go as many times as, as you want, but each each round it becomes progressively more difficult. There's a there's a uh, minimum requirement, and as soon as no one meets that minimum requirement, you've all failed. <laughs> so, all right. it becomes a, you know obviously the first round or two is pretty safe, but then as you go along, uh, you're kind of choosing: do we want to wrap this up or do we want to push it one more round? Yeah, and kind of kind of a press your luck system. Exactly yeah. right. Exactly mechanic. Um, another part of this is every character has their own secret agenda, and in this case, that secret agenda means rolling, uh, uh, having a randomly chosen encounter type. Right with a with a d six, isn't it? Right. You so roll a d six, roll a d six, and you choose one of those encounter types, and your job is to make sure that one of the encounters is your encounter type, so that right. you you work that into the story somehow, and uh, that so that of course is part of the the tension 
um, if you haven't had your encounter type come up yet, you're going to want to try and push <laughs> the overall story possibly further than you really should. So yeah, I've been reading through your uh, the the word document you sent us <laughs> with the the updated rules. And okay, I, I think I've got my head around it. Good, pretty much. Good, pretty. Uh, but I think we can move to character creation. Yeah, let's actually do that and, and get you uh, get you a character. Of course, Steve and I have played this before, so we both have characters laying around. But go f- go figure. Yeah, <laughs> Mark and Steve are veterans of this, and <laughs> well, <laughs> they've got millions of that's, characters. That's where the playtesting happened. Yes, that's true. <laughs> but yes, let's um, let's get in. Okay, so all. I'll essentially have you walk me through character creation. Like, let's go step by step and we'll do it that way. Perfect. Just to kind of give people an idea of okay. the very f- what we need to do. The very first thing you have to do is choose which corporation you're working for. Now, one of the catches with this is you have to own one of the physical decks mm-hmm. for whichever, whichever corporation you choose. So... You have to own one of the, the package that has. Uh, I, I should probably mention uh, if you if you purchase one of the packages, uh, each set comes with two of the corporation and agencies right. in them. So there are three sets. In order to choose anything, you'd have to have all three sets. So you, your choice of corporation is kind of limited by whichever set you own. And you can find those sets on steamspygame.com. Correct. That is true. <laughs> Wing. <laughs> <laughs> yes. So I I only have the first set. Okay. So I will be choosing between Encyclopedia Inglandia and Dust War. Correct. I believe Steve said he already has an Encyclopedia character. Okay. So let's go with Dust Vort. Dust Vort. Okay. That for this is... One. That is an excellent option. The second step is to choose an organization. For beginning play, I recommend sticking with the organization that is already tied to your corporation. Now, if you if you want to get more advanced, you can get into things where your player is working undercover at a different lo- for a different organization than the corporation that you work with, um, and you, know, you can kind of get get more complex again. You have to have the deck for whichever organization you choose, but uh, but for this one, for for keeping it straightforward, I'm going to recommend you stick with Diamond Club. Sound good? I'll I'll go ahead and stick with Diamond Club. Excellent. <laughs> <laughs> and each organization has their own pluses, their their little bonuses that they get for choosing that organization and club. And in my case, from Das Vort, I will get plus two to body and plus two to any sneaking skills. And for Diamond Club, I will get plus two to any sabotage actions. Okay, so the next thing, there are three, basically three different things that we're going to be dealing with. There are mm-hmm. character attributes character actions, and character skills. Uh, Character attributes are your very basic traits, and there are three of them. 
intelligence, charisma, and body. Um, these for every action, for every uh, a, a scene, I should I should mention is bra- broken into uh, three phases. So for each of those phases, you everybody is going to make a roll. The character attributes determine how many dice you roll for that action or okay. for the, for that phase. Um, the next level is the actions. The action is kind of a s- specific. There's a little chart basically, and mm-hmm. for each uh, uh, activity type, there are three actions that tie to your traits. Um, so, for example, um, if you are if it's an infiltration round, there are th- there are three different actions. There's sneaking, which ties to intelligence, bluffing, that ties to charisma, and observation, which uh, applies to the body. Um, and depending on which trait is used, that will influence which of the actions are are employed for that action round for that uh, uh, activity round. Right. So that and the number th- under that act, act uh, action is are the number of dice you keep from that uh, trait pool. Uh, thirdly, there are skills, and skills also tie to a um, activity, but they don't tie to a trait. Um, usually, so is it is it safe to say? you can use any of those for any activity. So like you don't have to use intelligence. You can correct. You can add whatever you think is fitting well to whatever you're rolling. Actually, those are activated by usually equipment cards. Gotcha. So if you have a pistol, you can, you can use the firearms skill, but if you do not have a pistol, you can't use the firearm skill. Unless I set my arms on fire and start running around in circles. But you need a card. You need a card for that. <laughs> I would I would need the set your arms on fire uh, I, card I think, to do that. I think I'm gonna have to develop a set your arms on fire card now. So let me make a note of that. Perfect. Perfect. <laughs> um but the I'm s- contributing. <laughs> but the skill is uh just an add to your to your role. Gotcha. So for for a basic uh, round, what you do is you roll a number of dice equal to your attribute, keep a number of dice of those rolled dice from your action, and then add whatever your your skill is if appropriate. Gotcha. Thanks. So, say my intelligence was three and my sneaking was two, I would roll three and keep two. Keep two. And then add whatever skill if it applies. Correct. Exactly. Okay. So the first thing for character creation is you get one. You start off with one in everything. Perfect. Let me note. Okay. Audience, you can discuss among yourselves. (laughs) (laughs) All right. Uh, So that's one. Yes. All right. Then what you get to do is... Every level that your character gets is basically 10 
XP. So right. when you earn 10 for every 10 XP, that's one level. So since we're starting at first level, you get 10 XP to spend, um, which isn't much, but you get to, that gets to improve as you go along. Okay. Um, the prices are for a trait, it costs four XP, an action costs three XP, and a skill costs one XP. Now, one of the things you do want to consider is that you always want your trait to be higher than your action. So it's kind of right. kind of pointless to put, <laughs> spend a point in an action unless you've uh, spent a point in the body already. Gotcha. That that makes sense. Yes. Because you would roll less than you can keep. Right. Rolling one Which die and keeping two of that one die is... Is a little pointless. Yes. Exactly. <laughs> okay. So you start with one in everything, including skills and traits? Or, yes. Uh, um, traits, actions, and skills actions. all have one. So essentially, I have now, since I'm level one, I have 10 XP to spend wherever. Correct. This is a lot of dashes, people. <laughs> yeah, if you think about, you know, there's only three traits, but then there's uh, six actions per trait. So that's, you know, 18, 18. to choose from. And then uh, there's another 18 skills to to choose from. So there's a lot of places to put, uh, <laughs> to put your points and definitely. And as a first, first level character, really, you know, you don't have a whole lot to go with that you can go with. Right. Um, and like you, it's, it's not smart to put more in the actions than the, the trade exactly but on the other hand you can do anything with skills yeah you could put all 10 they don't yeah you could put all 10 points into skills if you want but remember for those you have, to have the card for this yeah you're relying on the card before you can use it okay let's do simple math <laughs> <laughs> um so let's see kind of thinking of what kind of character I want to run is important. This step. That's <laughs> great point. Let's see on the left-hand side of the little chart. Those are the different, um, scenes, scene elements. Yes. So like those are different kinds of heists essentially. Right. Those are, those are the different types of, uh, of actions that will be, each scene is going to be one of those six actions. Gotcha. Okay. So I'm going to spend four points and put one in intelligence. Nice. And so that puts me down to six. Hmm? I am. I'm going to spend three points and put one into sneaking. Nice. And then I will spend my other three. I have three left. Uh -huh. I might put them all over in skills. I want to put one in stealth, one in. Now, do all of the cards in a particular set? So, like my dust ward cards and my um, 
Diamond Club cards. Mm-hmm. Will they include all of these skills? They will. They will include all of them, but not necessarily equally. Some, uh, right. you know, for example, um, your ninjas uh, are probably going to have more stealth and hand-to-hand uh, cards than they will firearms and uh, sea travel, for example. Right. Um, right. Your uh, your trans your Transylvania Transportation Company are probably going to have more of the chase cards. Hmm. Okay, I'm going to put one in firearms, just because it's not a bad thing to go into firearms. True. Decisions, decisions. Oh, I'm sorry. I should back up and explain one thing. Your interaction cards are, or your interaction skills are the only skills that are not activated by cards. They are activated based on who you're interacting with. So they, they they can activate automatically. Uh, and which ones are those? That's the the top line: persuasion, seduction, and intimidation. Gotcha. Then I will go with persuasion. Excellent. I either need to use a different writing utensil or write harder. <laughs> Fair. <laughs> That's all right. Uh, I will figure it out. Cool. Okay. Um, and then, pretty much, you just need a name. Wonderful. That's always um, the hardest part, isn't it? <laughs> yeah, it really is. I think Reginald is a good name. Ooh, that is a good name. I'm going to go with Reginald. Uh, Reginald, Reginald. Let's leave it at Reginald for now, okay. and I'll I'll take some time to think about a last name. That's fair. Okay. Because I think any good spy needs two names. Yeah. Yeah, that's true. We're James Bond. Yeah. Um, you could also go with, uh, if you wanted, just wanted to go with a code name, you know, Silver Fox or something. Oh, yeah. That's another okay. That's another way of going, uh, however you want to. Um, and another thing, because mechanically they're meaningless, if you want to give yourself a title, feel free. <laughs> Be Lord Reginald, who cares? Um, yeah, definitely. But uh, yeah, just you know, something Victorian, steampunk-ish. There's a lot of stuff you can go. Now, yeah, yeah, I can figure that out. Um, now we'll we'll go into uh, how you earn XP when we actually start gaming. But one of the things I should mention here is as you advance, um, you get XP and can spend them as you go along. So you don't have to wait until you get a full 10 XP to increase your character. Okay, interesting. So, yeah, yeah, that makes sense. Um, but uh, but until you've spent a full 20, you're not, you don't get level 2 until you've done that. Um, and then there are um, player handicaps, basically. Uh, is a way for for players of multiple levels to compete against each other. So, um, right. What I was reading from that is, if you are a lower level, you get to add the difference of levels to your roles. Exactly. Exactly. Yeah, that's you know, it's fairly simple, but uh, it it does balance it out. Um, especially if you're playing, if you are playing against each other, you want that. You know, you want some yeah, fairness. You want that even playing field. Yeah, definitely. So on one hand, yeah, you're you're benefiting the person who's at, who's lo- the lower level, uh, but the higher level character really does get to do a lot more, has a lot more options um, for what they're doing. So yeah, you're not completely right. negating 
the advantage of being a higher level. Yeah, because you've spent more points on, you know, different skills and, you know, maybe you get to roll more dice than them is right. thing. Right. Because you're a higher level. Yeah. Exactly. So but for character creation, that is essentially it. And and are you are you using the uh little screen? Maybe. Because <laughs> <laughs> I th- I think that's part of the fun of this is each definitely inst- it definitely instead is. of a character sheet, everybody has a little game master screen. Yeah, a little tiny little GM screen. Yeah, so your characters is written out on that. So it's it's so everybody's a game master in this game. It's kind of fun. Yeah, it's it's really interesting, you know, and that adds to that whole narrative feel that we all love. The both the narrative feel and the uh, kind of secret feel because your character is <laughs> behind your screen, and you know, no one else sees it. Right. And here where we're playing on the worldwide internet, nobody knows anybody's character. That's true. Yeah. That's perfectly fine. (laughs) Right. But definitely. But one of the, one of the challenges in the, doing the traditional approach and it's probably going to come out a lot in the, uh, in the, even in the cooperative game is there are times when you get to call what the other player uses and Part of the Ooh. trick is to figure out what are their weaknesses. Yeah, what are they bad at? Right. Because, <laughs> um, you know, you want to choose what they're weak at. And you're not going to just be able to look at their their character sheet to figure Good it out. To see. Yeah, exactly. You're going to have to kind of figure out from their role playing what, uh, you know, which direction to kind of force them into. Yeah, definitely. And, and, uh, I think it's going to be a, a good game. I, I really do. I hope it's so. It's going to be fun. Yeah. Um, I hope you have some good stuff up your sleeve for, for story. <laughs> well, part that, and that's part of the excitement of this is there's no preparation. So I I am not the game master. I'm a player <laughs> just like, like the I'm rest of you. I'm not doing anything. <laughs> nope. <laughs> um, we, are, beautiful. we are going to sit down and uh, just wing it. And... Uh, and and we make it up as we go along. What and that's the, great. the the basic the, the basic premise of this is, um, we'll kind of sit down before the, you know, before we start and come up with you know what's a mission that we want to do, and then mm-hmm. what we do for the cooperative game is we do the same thing. We start with uh, um, if I remember, I used goal wants to be a, like a team goal kind right. of thing, and then we. Uh, we we each make our rolls, and whoever rolls the highest determine gets basically wins the right to be narrator. So whoever wins, whoever gets the highest mm-hmm. in each at each round is the game master for that round. Perfect. So I was I was yeah. gonna ask about that. I was gonna ask how how to how does that uh, that power shift hands? But that answers my question. Yeah. Yep. So whoever whoever gets the highest roll is is the game master for a round and then they choose what activity goes next or um they are the ones that choose do we go on or do we or do we stop so right that's uh, so so here's a question yeah with three players uh-huh. and what if what if i only roll once <laughs> on my on on the uh the narration uh check if you roll one that unless it's the first round that's you've we've all failed 
game is over. No, I mean like at the at the beginning for who gets uh, who gets control of the story of the narration. Well, whoever whoever rolls uh, highest will get the narration. Okay. So if you roll ones, unless all of us have rolled ones, then. You fail, then, and nobody narrates. That's right. <laughs> You're right. Yeah, <laughs> definitely. Or everybody narrates their their uh, failure. Correct. Correct. That's the punishment. You have to narrate your own failure. <laughs> yes. <laughs> Actually, that is. I think that is true. If because uh, because uh, you when you choose to end, you still have to play one more round. Okay. So you can say next round is going to be my last one. So there's gotcha. even then there's still some. You know, there's there's still a tension of, you know, you, you can't just say we're walking away from it. You ha- you got to play it out. Nope, <laughs> you can't. Yeah, <laughs> right. Okay. So every every, every every round is is a, is a gamble. Yeah, which is great. Mm-hmm. So. Very nice. And the other thing uh, I should mention is the character you just made up mm-hmm. can be used for any game, either the traditional setup or what we're going to do. You can bounce Perfect. back and forth, and uh, you know, once you have a character that's yours, you can play it with uh, whichever rules you want. Awesome. Now, is there a level cap? Is there a, a max level you can get to? No. Mm-mm. Perfect. Nope. Awesome. Um, like I said, there's always that uh, that handicap for if somebody's right. lower, but but there's no. Uh, "Quote unquote level twenty in D anD D. As long you know, you, as long as you have enough dice, you can oh, I'll always <laughs> have enough dice, Mark. There you go. <laughs> Just back up the dump truck and and pour them out and figure it out. I have a little Tonka dump truck <laughs> on my uh, on my desk. People, no, yeah, no, I kid. Um, but yeah, and and we will we'll save some of this in in our actual play sure. before we start also. So oh yeah, some of this may may sound familiar at that time. True, um, but uh, but yeah, I think that'll be it for Steam Spy. Excellent on uh, on this episode. Tune in next week. Definitely, uh, that sh- that should maybe not next week. It might be different with uploading schedule. Well, true. I'm not sure. <laughs> tune in soon yes. in the future <laughs> we will be recording it next week oh yeah <laughs> as of as of this recording but um but yeah we have a couple minor topics that we want to talk about just since we've got a little bit more time here uh let's talk about a lighter hearted subject <laughs> and not my uh not my grumpy old man subject okay but uh, <laughs> uh we have started getting into storium instead of gamers plane yes you know we we felt like gamers plane was essentially just a a cooperative document that you can write whatever in huh? you know it was a it was a, a collaborative word document yeah and and the the mechanics were really secondary, you know, because, you know, for us at least true. because of what we're wanting to do. So we decided to, uh, to hop over onto Storium because as Mark announced uh, a little while ago, <laughs> they added the world of seventh C yep. to, to Storium. Mm-hmm. And, uh, and it's, it's really, really interesting. It's really promising. Um, 
I've taken a look. Mark has, has set it up for us, which was very kind of him. <laughs> yeah, well, I've, I've done probably a little bit more with Storium than, than either of the rest of you, so I've had a little bit more experience with it. And uh, so, yeah, I, I was able to set it up pretty well and get it uh, get the ball ready to roll. Yeah, I'm 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 really looking forward to it. The thing I love about it is is the aspect of the the cards mm-hmm. of the of both the player cards and the goal cards, you know, from the scene. Right. You know, the ones you add, the ones the GM adds at the beginning that you can pick up and play. Yes. Yes. Um Yeah, that that that's kind of the goal of it is to to have these cards that uh, help drive the narrative and, and mm-hmm. rather than just having some mechanics that are on the side that you can use or not, you have uh, these cards that actually inspire what's going on. Yeah. And I really like the, the feeling of how the system works, you know, of, of how narrative the system is mm-hmm. and, and how that narrative can easily change with the cards. Sure. You know, you can't, you can't just, I mean, you could just say, but you can't, you can't just say that, oh, I succeed at this thing by doing this. Well, you've kind of got the, the whole pass fail kind of thing with the, with the cards. Well, but you choose, you get to choose when you fail the, the difference is, but however, you have the same number of strength and weaknesses cards. So as at least starting the game, you have to fail half the time. <laughs> and you, right. but you get to choose when that is. Yeah, and then then your hand replenishes with however many cards, and then you can because it don't they when you get them back, you it's kind of like pulling from a deck. You draw one at a time or a hand of however many. You well, you you replenish your hand basically. Um, gotcha. you, so you start off with um, try and remember here. Look at me, hang it up. You start off with four strength and four weakness cards. Right. And when you replenish, you get the same thing. Um, two of those cards, and both strengths and weaknesses, are uh, wild cards, which you can you make up on the spot. And then right. the other two are set um, strengths that help define your character and weaknesses that help define your character. Mm-hmm. Yeah, yeah, and and having those wild cards that you can adapt mm-hmm. on the fly, you know, for a specific situation is wonderful. It's it's makes you feel like you're not just stuck in the same rut over and over again. Well, absolutely. And and so often when you're doing this, no matter what your strength or weakness is, that's not going to be useful in any situation. So sometimes you're in a situation where I'm willing to fail, but my weakness card does not apply to the situation. So I use one of my wild cards and make up another weakness of mine on the spot that is appropriate to that situation. Yeah. And I'm sure I've asked this question in the past, but can't remember the answer. Mm. Um, when you when you play those wild cards, mm-hmm. you keep what you have written, right? So those go into your we, into your pool as well. You have a choice. When you replenish you get to choose from basically any strength or any weakness card that you get. You get two of them, mm-hmm. but you can choose. Um, uh, you can you can use you can choose to keep the 
same strength cards, using strength as an example, same thing works for weaknesses. But you can use, for example, the same strength cards that you started the character with. You can use one of those and one of the new cards that you made up. Or you can use both new cards that you made up and completely abandon your original strength. Yeah, and that's it's great. Yeah. It's really cool because you you can't um you can keep writing wild cards, right? Because those get You always every time you replenish you always have two new wild cards. Perfect. So you can always be, you know, having new weaknesses and new strengths and getting over those and then abandoning them exactly. if you want to. Cuz as you, the, know, you can Cuz well, as the story goes on, you get a better feel of what kind of strength is appropriate to to this type of story. And right. maybe the one that you came up with a character creation sounded like a great character describer, but it's not as applicable as you're going along. Whereas mm-hmm. the wild cards that you come up with are a little bit more actionable. Right. And and with the with the the character cards that you know John Wick and company mm-hmm. put together for the different uh, races essentially, yeah, the different countries. You know that might not apply to your specific character all the time. Well, you're not you're not limited to those. When you create right, your character, exactly. you can choose anything uh, on the board. Right. Um, there is a a basically a nationality um, uh, char- characteristic. That's a that's a hard hard and fast card. That's that is right. stuck to your character. You don't play it. Um, but that's basically just a character describer. Um, but the strengths yeah. and weaknesses you can choose. You can even when character when starting from scratch, when you're mm-hmm. very start first starting your game, um, it kind of comes up with you, know, you. You choose your in this case nationality, and then there are some suggested cards which you can change. Or you can go off book and start the game by making up your own strengths and weaknesses. Right. Just kind of how like, like Steve did. Steve uh, essentially has his own, uh, his own country, yeah. his own, his whatever town he's from. Yes. The, uh, the, the, they didn't have cards that reflected what he wanted to do. So he just essentially made it up from, you know, the beginning. Exactly right. Mm-hmm. Uh-huh. Yep. which is wonderful. You yeah, know, you don't you don't have to have the seventh C setting to do that, but you know he did. Right, right. You know you can do that with any game. You're running a fantasy game or you know futuristic game. Well, and that's one of the nice. Yeah, then one of the nice things with Storium is it comes with a huge number of of different worlds. But yeah, you make up your own world very easily and just create anything you want in here. Yeah, yeah, it's really great, and and for those people who want to be game designers, mm. you know, or like, uh, you know, story writers or, you know, you want to create a setting, mm-hmm. go to Storium and try it out. You know, you can work out kinks like that, you know, in, in whatever the setting is, Yeah, you know, you can use a, a pretty neutral, uh, game mechanic. So you're not getting like way too heavy into how the rules work. And you can just figure out your setting. It's true. It's, it's a great tool for it. Yeah. Um, but to my old man grumpy topic, <laughs> <laughs> um, there is some pretty big disappointment uh, 
I think it was last week when they, when I read this, maybe the beginning of this week, but, um, D and D beyond the, uh, the online tool for, you know, character sheets and, you know, um, character, um, uh, bestiary and compendium, you know, everything uh-huh. it, they, they have released an announced date and pricing, which to my understanding at the beginning of this development, they did not announce that it was going to be a subscription basis. So it's either three or $6 a month to do this, you know, not a lot, but still. Uh-huh. And, um, and then you can, you can buy the, you know, expansion books. So like, uh, Volvo's guide to, to whatever it's called. Um, I'm not sure. They came out with it not too long ago. Volvo's Guide, whatever. Um, you know, Adventures from the Yawning Portal, uh, what the Storm Giants, you know, all those different, you know, books that you can buy, they have as expansions. And it's essentially the price of the book, which is a little upsetting. Hmm. So they pretty much made this online tool that most anybody who plays D&D 5th edition can use, they turned it into a cash grab. Yeah, and I'll be honest, I've not being a big D&D fan, I just kind of skimmed the headlines of this, but you know, the other side of this is you're talking about a company who's makes their living selling books. And it seems like the complaint is that they're not giving their information for free because if, if this stuff was just online for no cost, why would you buy the books? Well, it doesn't give like system rules or, you know, anything like that. So in in that case, to learn how to play the game, you would still need the books. Yeah, but not necessarily the, that could be the argument, but the expansions, um, wouldn't have that. Um, and even, you know, even just the basics, um, it, it makes it a lot easier to buy one book and pass it around for the basic rules when you can access all the actual information uh, online. Right. Um, so. I think I think my side of this is more of having the ability to create a very you know a and D specific digital character sheet that you could have for free. You definitely could. Oh yeah. But it's, you know, the, the mechanics or the, uh, the tech side of it, not necessarily the, all the book information, all of that, you know, that that's not anything that the book has to offer. You know, that's essentially just plug and play kind of stuff. Oh yeah, just like a uh, interactive PDF of the character sheet. A lot of uh, yeah, you know, a lot of games have those, and yeah, that that I agree that shouldn't cost anything. You know, with with just instead of having to, you know, like me, I custom made my own you know PDF fillable PDF mm-hmm. character sheets before they released them. Yeah, and uh, and that took a lot of time. It really did. Mm-hmm. And just having this, you can 
choose, you know, you can go to like the, the race list and you can go, okay, I want to do this. And it plugs directly into a character sheet. That's awesome. You don't have to format anything. You don't have to set up anything, you know, that, you know, should be a free tool for everybody. Yeah. Yeah. I can agree with that. But it's like, no, you, you have to include everything to get any of it. You know, you know, you don't have to, you don't have to buy the expansion books, but still, you know, you have to pay the monthly, you know, they have, they have two different tiers for it. They have like a a standard edition and then a, and then a, uh, like a gold member edition. Uh Let me see if I can pull this up real quick. Uh, yeah. So the hero tier subscription is $3 a month which will be able to make unlimited characters and use homebrew content from other users. Great. That should be free. (laughs) Like, let's, let's be honest. That's, that's just having a program to use, you know, where you can, you know, put in, you can make character sheets and you can, but for a player, that's all you need. True. You would not need to buy the player's guide. If you had that, if you could just go to this thing and, and do everything for free. Well, that doesn't say anything about the rules. You'll just but be as able a, to make character but a, sheets. But as a player, you don't really need that. That's true. I mean, unless you needed to learn the system. That's, a, that's the only thing. But in theory, the Game Master could talk you through. That's, that's definitely that. true. So that giving that for free does possess... You know, there's the possibility of, of prohibiting a book sale. True. Uh, for $6 a month, the master tier unlocks the ability to share paid content with up to 12 other players across all of their games, which is nice. Okay. That's that's pretty nice. Um, and the as mentioned above. Um, the paid content includes rule supplements such as Volvo's Guide to Monsters, which is a cost, uh, which will cost a fixed one-time pay of thirty dollars, and and Curse of Strahd will cost twenty-five dollars. Okay. Um, you know, it's just like, you know, it's it's kind of unnecessary because, you know, it says there are free accounts. But really, you're going to have a very, very minute, you know, access to some of this, to most of this. Uh-huh. You know, you can probably only create two characters or five characters, you know, whatever. Yeah. Which which is like, okay, yeah, that's all right. But you're not going to get even anywhere close to what, you know, a paid subscription is going to be. Which is a little disappointing just because, you know, there are, there are these people that could use these, uh, you know, these tools, but, you know, maybe don't have the ability to, you know, to pay for it or whatever. Yeah, but that's, you know, again, you're talking about a company whose job it is to make money. And, you know, I, I run into this as an artist all the time, you know, and it's, it's one of the biggest things of yeah i know you're you're a professional artist but just draw this for me can't you and you know <laughs> and the whole idea is yes i could draw that in 10 minutes however my job is to get paid for this not 
you know, and, and it's a very hard people, hard thing for people to realize that that is, that ha- that content has value. And I so, think this, this could kind of be a, a you know, a popular or a, a very common thing where this is just coming out, but those books have been out for a little while. Mm-hmm. You don't want to have to pay thirty more dollars for something you already have a physical book of, just to have something digitally. And I think I think that would be if there was a way to link the book sale with this. Mm-hmm. If I if I purchased the book and then got a code that I could go in and could give me free membership, You're I right, think but- that is the you know that's really what we're looking for. But the problem is, you know how these books are bought and then passed around mm-hmm. and. Um, you know, I, I don't know that there's a clean way to do that. Uh, that's not going to have somebody just passing around their code and, you know, getting out the content. Um, right. Unless, uh, I don't, I, you know, when I went to college, they had like math books and stuff that, mm-hmm. that had like little online codes for the thing for like a, a helpful tool. And, you know, it was, it was like a one-time code, you know, yeah. it was, uh, you would put the code in. And which means you couldn't get that book used. <laughs> so right. You have to get a new book every time because you wouldn't have the code, which is horrible. <laughs> true. True. I remember that. Um, but, or if it, if, or if, if it was, you know, on the, the receipt instead of the book, um, that, uh, that would be an yeah. option, but you know, then you, then you have to make that compatible with every single store that would, sell it so that um, and everybody who's purchased the book in the past how are they going to get their code and exactly way more of a headache than than they think paying 30 extra dollars for something you already own yeah is is worth yes um but uh well you know like we've said though i think the 30 dollars could you know for some of that stuff uh replace buying the book if all the content is there Oh, it definitely could. It really, really could. But, you know, I think my whole, my beef with this is the fact that it's not just a program that you can pay once and have access to the program unlimitedly, Mm -hmm. you know, you could still have the tiers. You could, you could still buy a certain, you know, version Mm -hmm. of it, but why does it have to be a monthly subscription for something that you know you could easily make a program for true the same thing true um i th- i think that obviously that's a different way to go i think their attempt at doing a monthly subscription is probably an alternative to a monthly payment for something that might i don't know how much it would cost but uh um you know usually the cost of a lot of these programs is driven more by the fear of piracy and, uh, right. you know, that kind of loss. So I think, yeah, that's true. I think that's kind of their biggest fear and that's going to, you know, that's kind of what's driving the price up. If it were, a, if it were a lump sum payment, um, it would right. probably be pricey because of that. So yeah, that's, that's very true. This is kind of like games. You're not going to pay 20 bucks for, for a brand new game. You're going to pay 60 bucks for a game that, yeah. you know, 
Yeah. If it gets pirated, they got 60 bucks. And right. I mean, 60 once, times however many people have bought it. Right. Once the game is developed, the actual disc costs pennies to make. Yeah, but, uh, you know, the fear of, of you know, copyright. <laughs> but uh, so, yeah, yeah, just doing the one lump price is going to be kind of high. So the, the, pres- the subscription is a way of breaking that into a, uh, you know, more manageable uh, payment system, I think, for most players. Yeah. I mean, if if they would determine a cost for it, you know, it, you know, everybody would do the math and go, I'm going to be paying way more because I'm going to be paying every month for however many years that I play or... That's true. And that's paying more than what, you know, the program would cost. You know, whatever. You know, there, there could be arguments. For, well... That that depends on like the real serious players too. The people yeah, who definitely. who use definitely. this for you know two months and say, "Why do I need this? I got it all memorized. It's in the book." You know, and right. and drop it after two months. They've actually saved money. Oh, definitely. That's that's definitely true. But um, but yeah, that's my little rant for the day. That's fair. <laughs> Well, I think that'll be it for this episode of Tabletop Radio Hour. Like always, you can find this episode on soundcloud.com slash tabletopradiohour and on iTunes. You can find us on Twitter at TabletopCast if you have any questions or comments. We also have an email address. It is tabletopradiohour at yahoo.com. Our website, tabletopradiohour.wordpress.com. You can find information about our Patreon page on our website. You can also find us on Anchor. The URL is anchor.fm backslash tabletop dash radio dash hour. I want to thank you all for listening and keep rolling 20s.